Welcome to Speaking of Sex with the Pleasure Mechanics. I'm Chris from PleasureMechanics.com, and on this podcast, we have honest and explicit, soulful and compassionate conversations about sex, pleasure, joy, and connection. Come on over to PleasureMechanics.com, where you will find all of the resources that we have been generating for you since 2006. Come on over to PleasureMechanics.com slash free to sign up for our free online course and go a little deeper with us. On today's episode, I am thrilled to welcome filmmaker Alex Liu, who made one of my now favorite movies of all time about sexuality called A Sexplanation. This documentary is hitting the film festival circuit right now, but you have an opportunity to be amongst the first to see it by going to pleasuremechanics.com slash cheers. That's pleasuremechanics.com slash cheers, where you can request your free ticket to watch Alex's new movie, A Sexplanation. In this film, Alex goes on an epic journey exploring sex education in North America, and he talks to some of our best friends in the field. He masturbates in an fMRI machine to donate an orgasm to science, and he explores so many themes that so many of us have deep personal struggles with in a joyful way that just provides so many clear answers to so many questions that we all are asking. So I loved this movie, if you can't tell, so much. I asked Alex to share it with you all, and he's generously offered the Pleasure Mechanics community to be amongst the first folks to see this movie as it moves around the film festival circuit. So go to pleasuremechanics.com slash cheers to request your free ticket to watch this incredible film. Gather your loved ones and your family to watch this movie with you, plan an online viewing party with friends, and dive into this documentary. And I hope you love it as much as I did. Huge thanks to Alex for gifting us this film. Go to pleasuremechanics.com slash cheers to watch it. And here is my conversation with Alex. Alex, welcome to Speaking of Sex. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Can you please introduce yourself and the work you do in this world? Yeah, so I am a filmmaker, specifically a documentary filmmaker, and I enjoy making films that kind of challenge convention, that that explore taboo pleasure. So a lot of my past work in short form has been about drug and sex education. How do we actually navigate a moral life using um, scientific research, scientific evidence, my background as a science and health reporter. And I just finished my first feature documentary, A Sexplanation, Exploring Sex Education in America. Uh, and thank you for this film. Thank you for sharing it with me. Charlotte and I were dancing praise hands all over the house as we watched so this movie. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, we've been in this work for decades now. And what I love about this film is it not only explores sex education and what's going on in this country, um, but also how the very personal impact of this culture. And so I want to talk right away about shame. Yes. What role did shame have in motivating you to make this film? And how did it emerge as kind of a central theme when you tackled the topic of sex education? Yeah, I mean, I think it was everything in it about the main impetus. And it's maybe more just anger around my shame. 
So I came out of the closet as gay um, my senior year of high school, which is almost 20 years now, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, but at the time, I, you know, it was the worst time in my life. I was depressed, suicidal. I, I just couldn't see how I could fit into a society and have a happy, meaningful life at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think and when I think back at that time, I, I have to believe it's because when, when gay people or specifically gay sex was brought up, the, it was all coded in, in, in kind of life or death risk, right? It, it was coded in you can get HIV AIDS and, and, and die, um, you know, that, that if you were openly out in society, you would be exposed to a lot of violence. Matthew Shepard kind of was a big story at the time. And, and finally, you know, I, I think just, just you know, in my personal life, uh, I fell in love with a boy. I told him I loved him, and he told me he'd rather die alone than be in a relationship with a man. Oh. So, so, so you know, shame was just just the the world I I lived in, the air I breathed, you know. And so, um, luckily, I, I hit a point, and my parents um, are incredibly loving, warm, supportive, empathetic people, and they knew something was up. So eventually. I cracked. I, I came out to them, and they were they were wonderful. They they were mm. immediately putting me into therapy, good therapy. They were immediately putting finding local gay queer people uh, to show me that there there were people, there were models of of a, of a meaningful life, and and that was just so helpful. And and you know I I, I, I joke that you know by by our twenties we were bored of marching in the gay pride parade as a family. You know that 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 I, I felt that connection and belonging I, I, that I was, you know, hoping for very, very early in my life compared to other gay people of my generation. And, and so, uh, but, but still, when I was actually having sex, it, it wasn't what I thought it would be. There was still a lot of shame I felt. I wasn't connected to my body. I wasn't connected to other people. Mm. I, I found myself being very performative in sex. The pleasure wasn't there. I was still had a lot of fantasies that I, that I, you know, never talked about desires. I never talked about urges. I never talked about. It, it was a challenge, and and I thought, you know, by the time I hit my thirties, I was like, <laughs> you know, I thought coming out would would cure me of all this sexual shame, but I was still kind of living in it. It was it wasn't as bad, but it was still there, and I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to manage it. No one was kind of helping me with that, and so as I slowly started to open up my friends, you know, I, gay and straight of all different orientations, you know, they, they basically voice the same thing. I have a lot of trouble with this too. I have a lot of trouble asking for pleasure, voicing what I want, voicing what I don't want. And so I was like, oh, is this something that kind of a lot of people are still dealing with? And my background is a science and health reporter. I dove right into the scientific research. <laughs> and and you, you very quickly, once you actually look at the, even though it's very scant, once you start looking at the actual facts, the things that I've been studying, you realize, you, you know, you know, I, I think you, I, you, at that point in my life, I was still framing things in, in, in am I normal, which is now after doing this process, I, I kind of think normal is like not a helpful framework whatsoever in, in, in talking about sex. But but you soon realize that that you're very typical, that that my, that I, I was very typical when it came to sex. And, and that released so much shame, you know, that 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 I, I, I found kind of the strength in the data and, and, and frankly, just. And by, by data, I really mean the people, the communities out there who were, you know, had the same kind of sexual urges, drives, fantasies that I did. Um, and, and I was like, why don't people talk about this in school? You know, if someone had just talked to me in 13, when I was 13 mm-hmm. or 14, like anal sex is normal and pleasurable and lovely, you know, that that being a bottom is, is something you should celebrate, that people love to do. It's a huge part of a healthy sex life. These, yeah. these things that were coded in so much shame at growing up, if I, someone had just told me that, I feel like... 
things might have been different. Uh, but you soon realize that you can't teach this in school because no school board member is going to campaign on the platform of like normalizing anal sex for teenagers, right? It's just not a, it's just not a, a campaign platform that, that uh, people are willing to take a, take a stand on. And so I thought, well, I'm already doing this research. I'm already kind of living this world. It's very personal to me. Why not me try to explain what I'm thinking through and what's helped me get to a better place. So I kind of just traveled the country and, and uh, Canada talking to the, you know, best sex researchers I could find and kind of just, you know, exposing my own deep, dark fantasies and secrets and questions about sex and seeing what they had to say. Why not take the world on this adventure with you? Right. right. Thank you for that courage. Um, and what did you learn about shame along the way that helped you slay your personal shame? Like what were some of the most important lessons you learned that helped you let go of some of that? Yeah, and I think it is just you have to come out over and over and over again, right? That, that, that you know, be, you need boundaries and you need to be smart about maybe who you trust. But, but I think it's, it is it's just open, honest communication to, mm -hmm. to, to find the communities that can, you know, accept you for who you are. And, and, and it, it takes a, a little courage, a little bravery, but it's a, at least in my life, I'm lucky to be in a progressive city, to have amazing parents. It was, you know, just voicing those, the, those fears, the shame, you know, it, it, it releases it in many ways. If you're willing to be kind of open and vulnerable, if you're lucky enough to, to, for that, for that, to be able to do that. Well, now we have these tools, you know, as Brene Brown says, the Petri dish for shame is silence and secrecy. Mm -hmm. And yeah. even listening to this podcast, watching a documentary like this, it's social enough to break down shame. And your film is now a shame slayer. So thank <laughs> you. <laughs> that, that, that means so much to me. You, you, you don't even know. Mm, mm. I have about 10 other questions about shame, but there's Great. so much more here. Um, mm -hmm. I also want to mention, you know, the antidote to shame is also joy. And your mm -hmm. film includes one of my favorite two minute body joy montages <laughs> ever. Yes. I'm glad you connected with that. That's oh. that, that was the most challenging to put together for many reasons. If it was on VHS, you know, it would be rerun so often it would be thinned out on the tape, but luckily we can just <laughs> keep going back and really taking in the joy. And you use one of these words over and over again in the film. And after my 15 years as pleasure mechanics and podcasting and teaching sex with tens of thousands of people around the world, it's a word I come back to surprisingly over and over. And that word is connection. Mm. What did you learn about sexuality and its relationship with human connection and belonging while you were making this film? Yeah, I mean, just so much. You know, I think for a long time, and, and I, I've, I've been thinking a lot about this, about why, and, and I, I think it has to do with the political arguments of, you know, the, the, the marriage equality movement, maybe, or, or, or gay rights movement. I think for, 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 for understandable reasons, um, in order to win over maybe some more conservative members of the population, uh, the gay rights movement maybe did kind of go in like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a more of a libertarian kind of argument that, that whatever we do behind closed doors is no one's business and we should be happy to, you should, the, the government should not kind of intrude in, in, in your behavior, basically sexual behavior behind closed doors. Mm. And, and so for a long time, I think I compartmentalized the, the gay part of my life, the queer part of my life to just uh, 
maybe some very safe, safe community members, partners, that sort of thing that, that, that I could somehow totally divorce the sexuality from my public facing persona, right? That, that, that somehow I, I could basically not scare people by being too sexual in the world. Mm. And so, but through this process and, and, you know, when I started this process, I thought I'm just going to do science interviews on science of orgasm, the science of masturbation, you know, a very technical medical. These are the, the kind of arenas I thought that the general public could accept this type of information, you know, kind of the same thing. But, but as I got deeper and deeper, and as I started to reveal more and more in myself, it, it, it became very clear that it is impossible to stop being a sexual being. It is impossible to, to somehow cleave yourself that way. And that ultimately you are, you are expressing some side of your sexuality at all times, whether you realize it or not. And just how much mental energy and anguish and anxiety you know, to this day, I still experience trying to regulate this part of myself that that is, you know, I think kind of the best part of myself. It's the part of myself that's playful. It's the part of myself that, like you said, that that you can actually see yourself through someone else's eyes in a way that's spiritual, that this human connection part that 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 maybe it's not, you know, you know, intercourse penetration, but maybe it's holding hands, maybe it's a hug. Maybe it's just complimenting on someone on, you know, how they make you feel, you know, that, that, that sexuality is just so ingrained in every aspect of every interaction that, that I realize that I'm, I am cutting myself off from the world in many ways, but the more I try to hide and regulate that side of myself. So it's still an ongoing process. It's, it's very new to me to kind of think about sexuality as broadly as I do now. Way to dive um, in the deep end, Alex. Right, right. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, I think, you know, and, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm rambling, if I'm not answering your question exactly, no. but, I, but I think, yeah, I now see that I, I'm trying more and more to be present to my sexuality at all points, mm. to really think through, you know, is the behavior or the thoughts or the emotional regulation that I'm trying to you know, uh, control in that moment? Is that actually serving me? Or is that just a, you know, a, a part of my imprinting from the past or some of my old kind of shame based motivation? And if it is, how might this look different if, if I were actually standing in, in my truth? So, so yeah, I, I think that I, I, I'm more connected to my sexuality than ever in ways that are new and surprising on a spiritual axis, even that, that, that I expected. That's so beautiful. And you really kind of witnessed that journey in the documentary. Your face changes. I don't know if you've watched kind of <laughs> early footage and old, like the end footage next to each other, but there's something that really transforms in you and you allow us to witness that. Um, and the film also includes conversations with your family, with your parents, and you confront some of these generational natures of shame and disconnection. Um, and how that can be restored in something as simple as an honest conversation. It's so beautiful. Oh, thank you. I mean, that was the biggest surprise of all that, that my relationship with my family has, it's like a whole new relationship. You know, when we talk on the phone now, you know, in the past, you know, you like most conversations, you talk about the weather, you talk about your work, you talk about these kind of mundane things, but now we're actually talking about our lives, like our real lived lives in ways that I has just been surprising and wonderful and joyous and, and I, I just, I just, it's, it's been the, the best surprise in this process so far. 
And again, these connections and what's embedded in the conversation and what we silence when we silence sex, because it's not, we're not talking about having conversations with our parents about positions and sex toys necessarily. It's things like, oh, I didn't know you were engaged before you married mom. I didn't know you had another child before me. I didn't know you had a miscarriage in between me and my siblings. Conversations Mm -hmm. like that. um, I hear all the time from people um, become so healing within family systems. Um, okay. Talk to me about, and I do want to read this quote from you before we move on. There's this okay. beautiful moment. You're driving in the car and you're talking about this intertwinement of sexuality into our lives. And you say, these definitions of sex, that sex is at the core of human connection and identity are forcing me to some painful realizations because it would mean that by repressing my sexuality, I'm actually repressing a lot more than I thought. If sex is entwined in every fiber of my being, just how much of my humanity am I missing out on? Alex, beautiful, (laughs) beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's true. I, I think when I think about what makes life, what makes being a human, um, when you when I feel most alive, put it that mm-hmm. way, it, it is in moments of you know intimate connection, you know, and and that could be in a in a you know a capital S sexual experience. I think probably in the, the the most connected, the most pleasurable, the most euphoric <laughs> spiritually I've I've ever felt has definitely been you know in, in sexual interaction with someone who I love, mm-hmm. but but. It, it, like I said, it's it's even walking down the street and feeling a nice warm breeze. How much of myself do I do I shut off to that to that experience? How much, um, you know, when I see someone walking through a room, do I actually pay attention to that person and the beauty of that person and how lucky I am to be in the presence of this person? You know, it's it's like I like it's 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 That's again. Right. This is something very new to me, but you know that that I'm realizing that for so much of my life, you know, for most of my life, uh, I, I really have trained myself instinctually. I don't even recognize I'm doing it sometimes, but to kind of clam up, shut off, cut off, you know, repress when I'm in the presence of another person, because I'm so scared of what they might think of me. Um, and and you, you can't, like I said, you can't just kind of shut off tiny little parts of yourself. It's almost an all or nothing in many, in many cases. And so when you cut off that sexual side of yourself, you just really become numb to just the beauty of the human experience. Well, that's right. And then we end up, we're performing our social roles, we're performing our sexual mm-hmm. roles and where yeah. is the place for just being who we are. Right. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And a question you asked in the film that stumped a lot of experts when you put them on the spot. <laughs> and I now want to ask you uh-huh. is how have you come to define sex? Yeah, so so I think in the movie, I I think one of the 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 main segments that people are connecting with most is is this amazing uh, interview with 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 a sex educator in Canada. Her name is Kristen Gilbert, um, and, and the runaway uh, star of the show. Yeah, yeah, she she's amazing, and 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 in that interview, I mean, I wish we could air the whole ninety minute interview because it's just amazing mm. the way she frames all these the sex and sexuality is just. It, it the, I mean, the entire room was was just, you know, wrapped, you know, the cameramen were crying. We we're all just kind of very emotional at the end because we realized that that we have all of us have have a part of ourselves that we shut off because we're terrified about being sexually expressed in many ways. And, and I think I think I, I 
it's it's not exactly the same, but but it's much more similar than I thought. I, I I do equate sex and sexuality now kind of more with just general connection. You know, I, I do think about it much more in terms of intimacy and vulnerability. You know, um, I could I would say that a a phone call with someone I'm not seeing, not in the same room with, but if we are actually having a, a, a joyous connection in which we're revealing sides of ourselves we don't really reveal that we're seeing new sides of ourselves because of this other person that is more sexual than actually having sex with someone who you're you're performing for and not connected with and not getting to know with you know that that to me that phone call is a much deeper sexual connection and, and I didn't think about it in those terms before I thought about it very uh, you know you know mechanically and and so I think yeah my definition of sex I think is constantly evolving and changing and thinking it's, it's hard to put a you know an exact nice neat definition around it but but it is that that aspect of human connection in which you feel just that that joyous pleasurable connection with someone that that is so hard to describe but you know it when you feel it you experience this thing of the deeper you go into sex the bigger it gets yes yeah um, and i love that montage of the all the therapists and educators being kind of stumped by this question because i know so many of them and they're brilliant thinkers with so brilliant. much to say brilliant <laughs> yes it's amazing um and that Kristen has a great line where she says a sexually healthy culture would allow you and i to decide who we are let us change our minds when we want to and let us express that identity without fear hmm. Uh, which it sounds so simple. And then you show in the movie and we talk sometimes on this show and we need to always remember how much political momentum is against sex education. Mm -hmm. You know, in 2003, I did my thesis on comprehensive sex education. And as I was watching this movie, I realized how little has kind of changed. Like sex culture itself is changing so rapidly. I know. We're queering the world. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, those Planned Parenthood teen educators, which is where I got my start 25 <laughs> years ago, oh, we're amazing. still on the front lines. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's still all of this resistance about science-based education in schools. Mm -hmm. um, and yet all the experts are saying this is what we need for our kids. So what is your kind of... Uh, invitation for parents, for other adults who love children, even if they're not parents, how do we need to stand up for our kids for the coming generation? Yeah, this, this is tough because th there's, there's one expert we talked to who didn't make in the film side of her name is Lisa Diamond out, out of Utah. Mm -hmm. You know, sh she jokes and she's trying to be provocative, but it's kind of true. It's she asks, you know, she says, sometimes she just asks parents, what kind of orgasms do you want your kids to have? Not to think about like what positions and stuff, but basically asking the question, do you want your children to have meaningful, pleasurable sex lives? You know, is, is that something that you want for your kids? And, and I think I would hope most parents, maybe again, uh, I want to establish that, that boundaries are healthy, but, but, but don't we want your, don't you want your kids to grow up unashamed to, to be their best sexual selves? And, and I think, that, that's tough. I, I get why that's tough for parents. You know, you know, I, I get that there's just so much has changed so quickly. The culture has moved probably from, you know, when they were growing up and, it, and it's uncomfortable. And I, I get that. But my, but my invitation is simply maybe to, I, I don't know, my mom has kind of, I've been talking to my mom about that. And she was just kind of saying, she thinks there needs to be support groups for just parents about talking about why this is so difficult in a non-judgmental way so that their parents can kind of unpack themselves why this is difficult. Because I, I get that you're, this, is, this is a very values-based topic and, and families should be in charge of the children's values. 
but but at the same time if mm -hmm. if you never talk about sex your parents never talked about sex um, and you think that you're the only person who should talk about sex with your kids you know are you actually doing the work that that is necessary and 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 I don't blame people for not because it's difficult. It's hard. No one's given the tools. No one's given the models. No one's given the, the, the right education. So, so my invitation really is just to say, you know, we all want what's best for our kids. Um, but, but more information in this area is just going to serve your kids so much better. So, so however you get it, whether it's you're taking class with the kids, whether it's you're there every step of the way, um, what, whatever it looks like for you and your family, uh, but please, please, you know, kids are hungry for this information and they're going to find it one way or another. And, and so it, it's just better if, if, if you are there helping them in, in a non-judgmental, loving way. Yeah, definitely. And we will drop a ton of resources in the show notes page to support parents and caregivers of young children in having these conversations. And one of the things your documentary shows is this dual process for adults where we kind of need to mourn what we went through and the sex culture we survived while also bravely building a new one and kind of reparenting ourselves and giving ourselves <laughs> permission to even enjoy like youthful adolescent pleasures again and mm -hmm. come alive again into our sexualities. It's never too late. You know, in our last interview, we talked to a researcher and the average age people report optimal sexual experience is 55. Mm. And so many people reacted to this one fact out of this incredible interview with so much hope because we are meant to think that sex is something for the young. And yet mm -hmm. so many of us actually barely survived our sexuality <laughs> and have stories like yours. You know, it's not uncommon when we talk to people and we start digging through their shame and excavating, you know, we get through the family stuff, we get through the religious stuff. And then there's this one incident with an early love or an early boyfriend or girlfriend or a crush, or even just a kid on the schoolyard who said that thing that is like a thorn in our sexual side and we're mm -hmm. still carrying it. And so there's so much excavating. This is a long conversation. And that is why we are here for you week after week here on the show. So Alex, you have generously invited folks to watch this film with us. I am popping the biggest batch of popcorn I've ever made. <laughs> How do you want folks to approach this film? What do you want them to sit down with in their hearts? Yeah, I think any way that you can kind of approach this, I, I think is great. And, you know, the, the, some of the responses we've gotten that has been most heartwarming is people watching with their partners, even if they've been extremely open already about their sex lives, you know, that mm -hmm. the, what we've heard is that this has been like a three hour process because they're constantly pausing after each interview <laughs> and talking and starting a conversation, which I just blows my mind. It's just so amazing that, 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 that they're having these conversations, but just, you know, what did you, what was your experience like when you first learned how to masturbate? You know, what was that? Ex you know, mm -hmm. what do you, how do you feel about your body? You know, how do you feel about pornography? You know, and, and, and that's just been so wonderful. Another wonderful thing is, is parents and the kids watching it together, maybe uncomfortable, but it's been a great kind of uh, icebreaker to have some of these conversations they've been itching to have. Um, and, and I, I think, um, you know, I, Although it is a, a my narrative and, and my narrative is, is queer, you know, I, I, I've been so it's been so great to hear from, you know, you know, cis straight males telling us how how this has been something that they've never thought about in this way. This is opening new things up for them. And I mean, that's just been uh, so, so great to hear. So, yeah, I, I feel like um, as 
if if you're looking for just um, icebreakers to, to t- how to talk about some of these things with people in your life, if you're looking for um, how to frame sex and maybe think about sex a little more critically, more nuanced, more di- differently, um, I, I invite you to, to see what you think. And, and I'd love to hear reactions and feedback about that. Mm-hmm. So everyone, come on over to pleasuremechanics.com slash cheers. That's pleasuremechanics.com slash cheers, where we'll have all of the information for you to watch the film and you can share your responses with us and we'll gather them all up and share them with you in our newsletter. And we will also share them with you, Alex. Um, so we can have Amazing. a virtual screening. I miss the days of theaters and sticky floors I and know, popcorn. <laughs> and until then, this is the best we can do. Alex, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And thank you from the bottom of my lifetime as a sex educator heart for making this film. I'm going to share it for the rest of my days. And it's a real service to the world. So thank you so much for this explanation oh, for us all. Oh man, that means so much. Thank you for the work you do and and thank you for listening. Mm -hmm. So I hope this conversation motivates you to plan a viewing party of your own. We are popping popcorn over at pleasuremechanics.com slash cheers, where you can claim your free ticket to watch a sexplanation, share it with your loved ones, share it with your friends and join us in this ongoing conversation as we all claim more pleasure, joy, and connection. I'm Chris from pleasuremechanics.com, wishing you a lifetime of pleasure. And we'll see you in the virtual theater at pleasuremechanics.com slash cheers.